This episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by Clinic Gym Connect. Just go to clinicgymconnect.com to learn more. But Clinic Gym Connect is a wonderful, amazing communication system that you can use in your clinic to grow. All growth has to start around communication and Clinic Gym Connect makes that easy. With two-way text-based communication, the ability to send out review links, the ability to wow your patients, provide great customer service, follow up more efficiently, faster, and using the method of communication your patients are already using, which is text messaging. You can learn more again at clinicgymconnect.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody out there in Clinic Gym land. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm joined today by the amazing, incredible Jim Adams. Jim, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Josh? Good to see you again. Good to be back on the show. Yeah, you're a return guest, baby. That's a, that's a tip of the cap to you, sir. Yeah. Now, Jim, you have done something amazing. Uh, well, you've done many amazing things, but the most amazing thing that while everybody was quarantined and eating Cheetos, uh, you <laughs> sat behind a desk instead of behind Netflix and busted out a book recently, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Tell and us I was about eating, it. What's the name of it? Uh, first off, it, it's called Masters in Fitness Business. Uh, Masters in Fitness Business. Uh, and what I did was I took. Uh, well, first of all, I started the podcast just so that I could pick the brains of some of the best people in the fitness business industry to figure out yeah. what works, what doesn't, so that I can make my podcasting is the best for that. Like. I mean, yeah. I wish I had this in college. I would, I would do podcast interviews with the hottest girls in my college. Like it's the only time that you can sit with somebody who was way outclassing you for a uh-huh. full hour uninterrupted. And, and then at the end of it, they thank you. I'm like, uh, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're exactly right. I did the podcast so that I could find these people and help them improve my business. And so then what I did is I took 20 of the best episodes and put them in a book and weaved a story into it and put it in categories just so that other people can benefit from that knowledge as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, uh, and you, you know, you've been a trainer for, I mean, how long have you been training people as, as a professional career? I'm almost afraid to say it because it makes me seem old because I am old. 31 years. That you've been training people. That's awesome. So yes. He started when he was three and he hasn't stopped, <laughs> you know, hasn't stopped since. But anyway, yeah. so so you wrote this book and the book is essentially, um, much like your podcast, you, you basically bring up a subject and then you go, who the hell is, is kicking butt at that in the fitness uh, kind of space? And you went, right. interviewed that person took all the notes down and then basically built up uh, uh, plans that dummies like me can follow and kind of laid it out there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because when I started my studio, my training studio, I was a great trainer. I had a great loyal following. I had lots of clients, lots of referrals, but I was a terrible, when I, when I opened the business, I found out I was a terrible business owner yeah. and, and not a great leader. 
And so that's one of the things the guests on the podcast have helped me with is climbing that curve from being a great trainer to a great business owner. And it's a totally different skill set, you know, uh, being a good business owner and a good leader versus being a good trainer. I mean, there's a little overlap, but not as much as you would think. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, you know, in the training business, like in a day, even a small group, you could train, say, 30 people, but being a really good business owner, you could own 30 gyms, you know, and, and, but there is a lot of transition to get there. It's just like getting, you know, that'd be interesting to track. If you started deadlifting every day of your business ownership, would you deadlift 500 pounds first, or would you have a, uh, a very efficient and effective business first? Like it's a, it will take you about as long to deadlift 500 pounds from, you know, nothing as it will to create a, a wonderful business. Absolutely. And there's a learning curve associated with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Both those things. So, well, let's talk about this. I mean, I kind of, I kind of look at it like this. This is the gym business. Somebody starts out, they say, I'm going to train people. It's, you know, you're that lone wolf. You're working out of somebody else's facility or renting space or whatever you're doing. You go slow, you build up your clientele. Finally, you go, you know what? I've got so many clients and I'm dumb enough that I think I want to open my own place. Right. <laughs> so then you, <laughs> Uh, you, you get your list of clients and take out a loan or whatever you need for equipment. You start training out of there and you think, you know, it's great that I have all these people. I would like to know what my bed feels like. So I should probably hire somebody to take some training load off me so I can get, you know, I don't have to sleep in on the floor of the gym or in my car. Then it kind of grows and grows. You get a few people. And if you're smart enough, you'll kind of, I don't know, organize things enough where somehow it makes a little bit of money, somehow everybody doesn't hate you, and somehow you're making some passive income. Uh, people get lazy right there, but if they can fight through and actually create processes and, and systems and all that, now we get into ownership where you can decide, and I think this is the ultimate type of freedom, is when you can decide whether or not you're going into the office or not. And if you don't, everything still runs. You still make money. You still do everything but you can choose to train people. You can choose to get your hands dirty. You can choose to clean the bathroom, but you can choose. And that to me is the ultimate kind of luxury or freedom in the business. Uh, yeah. You've seen all four of those steps, I mm-hmm. think. And you've talked yes. to people who kind of guided you through each step, right? Yes. Yes. Well, one of one of the big contributors of the book and the podcast is Rick Mayo. And if if those of you who don't know Rick Mayo, he's a giant in the in the industry of the fitness business. I mean, he had the greatest most podcast profit. voice you can have, too, by the way. The guy sounds like a late night DJ, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he's an awesome guy, really. He's yeah. really funny and he's really smart. But, you know, he had the most profitable per square foot training studio in the country. And then he took that to a licensing program and now he's taking it to a franchise. So when you talk about scaling and growing and making that choice, but to your point, when one of the first times I met Rick was he told me that he takes a month off every year and just goes on an adventure for a month. So the guy like plans and does you know, one month vacation every year and does it, you know, and he said he knew he was successful when he came back from one of those trips and his gym was still there, still operating, still profitable. And he walked in to train at his gym and he didn't know the security code, the alarm code. So the alarm goes off 
the cops come and the cops are like, what are you doing here? He's like, I own the place, but I don't know the alarm code. You know, that's when he knew he'd hit it big. And, and he covers that in, cause he wrote the introduction to the book and he's in uh, the, one of the first chapters, the section under the greats, because he is, when it comes to the business of fitness, he is the man. I love that. Sure. Yeah. I heard a, a story too. He has a gym, uh, you know, he owns a few different facilities and he walked into one and uh, somebody said, some, you know, young employee comes up and says, you know, how can I help you? And he's like, well, I want to work out today. And they're like, oh, are you a member? And he's thinking, dang, I own this place and you don't know. All right, fine. Like <laughs> I've done a good job of separating myself, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you this. So, so when you're starting out, I will, We'll follow just a logical regression. Uh, when you're starting out, one of the early questions I always get with clients, and I'm sure you've gotten this too, is around how to get new clients and marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you need that engine going or you're never going to grow enough to get your own facility and fill that facility. So when it comes down to marketing, I mean, you interviewed some people that have done some amazing things like Frank Nash and uh, Eric Charles, Tim Lyons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. When you... Can you take us through your transition from when you thought you kind of knew marketing to after talking to these guys and realizing like, oh, this is, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, ta- yeah. it's like seeing a black belt, you know, a ninth dawn black belt Shaolin temple master do his moves. And you're like, well, I threw a punch once. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I cause I use this a lot. I, I, re- I started jujitsu about three years ago and I tell people, you know, the black belt does the same moves as the white belt. But the black belts just got a lot more reps in, so they do it a lot better. But I want to take a step back, uh, Josh, and talk about when you are ready, because I think that's a natural progression for most trainers, right? They get in the trainer because they training because they like fitness and they want to help other people and they want to make money at it. And then sooner or later, they get confident and they get they develop skills and they think, oh, well, I want to do things a little different. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to be able to do that. I got to start my own place. But one of the things that Thomas Plummer told me, and he's the first chapter in the book, is that start with an end in mind. You know, I know for me, a lot of that started with my branding. Uh, I branded it Catalyst instead of Jim Adams Fitness, because if you're going to scale, then it can't have your name on it because everybody's going to be looking for you. So if you want to scale and build something bigger than you, then it's, your name shouldn't be attached to it, you know? Um, and also that decide what you want. Do you want to be a one person show where you're just training your clients in a small little space, or do you really want to scale this thing up and grow to maybe the level of a, a Rick Mayo where you're selling franchises, you know? So before you even think about opening your own business, Start with that end in mind. Where do you want this journey to end of your fitness business? And then that's going to determine the path that you take going forward. So how did that just how did that change in Catalyst and your your gym? Well, for me, I wanted uh, a one person show. So I was looking for 
about 1,000, 1,500 square foot space where I can just train a couple of my clients, maybe have another part-time trainer, not too big of a headache, but I couldn't find a space that small. So the, the smallest space I could find was 3,000 square feet. So then I knew that I um, had to have employees and I wanted employees because it's easier to create, to put everybody under one banner when they're all playing for the same team. When you have independent contractors, it becomes a very competitive environment and it is and it it becomes really hard to move forward together. So I knew I wanted an employee. So that's when I sought out Thomas Plummer and he helped me with my business model, my business philosophy, starting with an end in mind, all of those things. So I knew that I wanted to eventually either sell or or get I wanted to sell my gym at the end of it. So that's another reason that I didn't put my name on it, but I also wanted to be a collaborative environment. So that's why I went the employee route. And these were all things that Thomas Plummer told me to do. Uh, or well, Thomas Plummer doesn't recommend anything. He tells you <laughs> if you know Tom. So oh, that's yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. That's where my journey started. I knew I wanted to eventually sell the gym. And then I knew that I needed to scale the gym. And then I wanted to build a team. So I had to have employees. So since I started with that end in mind, I was able to start from the beginning and start building the business in that direction. All right. So you kind of started with that end in mind and along the way you, I think everybody has to grow from that kind of, I'm training uh, Stacy. She brought her sister, you know, Jenny in and Mm -hmm. you're getting all those, you know, what they would call in the online space, the organic growth, just Uh word of mouth referrals. And, you know, most of the clinicians Mm -hmm. listening, that's how they built most of their practice was uh, word of mouth referrals. But at some point to have a true business, I think you got to nail down your grabbing of new people who don't know Jim Adams. They don't know your trainers. They don't know Jenny or her sister. They're total virgins as it comes to your business. And you got to be able to grab them. Now, it might take 100 chances to grab one or whatever your percentage is. But how'd you navigate that? And who kind of guided you through that? So the biggest person that helped me with that was Tim Lyons. Tim, uh, he owns a gym called Pulse Fitness, and they do over a million dollars in gross revenue every year at his gym down in Phoenix. But he also owns Profit Marketing Solutions, which is a digital marketing agency that specializes in the fitness space. And he's the one who told me, because I was a typical trainer starting out, I'm thinking, okay, I have this budget, right, to open my gym. So what do I want in there as a trainer? I want the slickest finishes. I want all the latest and greatest equipment, you know, and all and all your brand imprinted on the dumbbells kind of stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm, because you know that builds muscle faster than anything else. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm printing t-shirts and swag and hats and anything that has the name of the gym in it. But the problem is, is that none of that brings new clients in. So Tim sat down with me and explained marketing spend because when he first told me like your marketing spend for what you have and what you want for the space you have and what you want needs to be about $3,000 a month. And I about crapped my pants when he said that, because again, thinking of that as a trainer, I'm thinking, man, that is a lot of money. But That's then a big he chunk said, of your salary, I'm going to guess, like of what absolutely. you're making off the gym, right? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> 
excuse me, but then he explained, he explained how marketing spend worked and the lifetime value of a client. He said, if you spend, let's say you spend $3,000 a month and you get two clients and each client is paying you say $250 a month. Yeah. Right. Then yep. that is what? 25, that's 3,000, three grand a year. So if I get two clients from that, I'm up three grand, right? But, you know, as a trainer, I was looking at is, oh my God, I I got, I spent $3,000 and I only got, you know, $500 worth of revenue this month. But then when he explained the lifetime value of a client and more importantly, how to market and, and grab what I call cold leads in cold clients, because referrals and uh, word of mouth would only help you grow so much and pretty slowly until you cap out on that. But if you're able to put together a strategic marketing plan, not just an ad, but a plan, it's like the way Tim explained it to me was, if you're on a football team, you have a playbook. And on in the first quarter, it's third and one. We're going to run this play because it's that's what I think is the right play for this situation at this point in the game. So you need to develop a marketing strategy just like that. At this, this time of year, in this market with my facility, this is the play I need to run. But it's part of my overall strategy. It's not just an ad hoping to grab somebody. So that's where Tim, Tim Lyons was the biggest. And I have to tell you that when I started with Tim, I was skeptical because I was still pretty low on that learning curve on learning how to become an owner. But within a matter of months, he doubled my monthly revenue with his marketing plan. So that showed me the power of marketing. That made a believer out of me and said, okay, now I need to really dive down and get familiar with what marketing really means as a business owner and not as a trainer. Because as a trainer, what I want to do is look what I've done. Oh, I got six pack abs. Oh, I got this girl with this nice butt. Look at these booty shorts. You know, that's what I want to put on there. That doesn't bring new clients in. Yeah. I remember listening to Rob Wolf and he said they tested like five different ads. And he said the best, he's like, the best one we had was me. He's like, you know, I was putting 235 overhead for reps. He said, and somebody snapped a picture of it. And he said, when he went into his ads manager in Facebook, the one of him lifting 235 had like three clicks. The one of the two soccer moms working out next to each other that were lifting like 35 pounds got like 3000 clicks. And he's like, well, I guess nobody really likes me that much. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, it, yeah, in our minds, not, we're like, oh, that's what they want to see in a gym. And they're like, nah, exactly. that's, that's yeah, too much. It's too is, aggressive. Yeah. As a trainer, I used to think, oh, this is, the, this is who they want training them, right? But what it comes down to, again, and what Tim Lyons explained to me and helped me understand was that you have to look at it as they're looking at what can you do for me? Not what have you done for yourself, but what can, can you help me? You know, I'm this, you know, soccer mom who's had three kids, who hasn't worked out regularly in a long time, wants to lose a little weight. Can you help me with that? You know, and again, that's part of that uh, climbing that learning curve. And Tim Lyons covers that in, in the book, in his chapter in the book. And he's the one that really helped me understand 
marketing from the perspective of a business owner, because as a business owner, something. that's who you want in your Yeah, in no, your you gym, said something interesting too is Tim doesn't just focus on the ads, right? Because everybody, I don't know what it is, Jim, but man, it drives me bonkers. A lot of people tell you, oh yeah, we'll run Facebook ads for you, but nobody talks about every step. And there's got to be nine steps in the process, I think of, okay, let's say somebody responds to an ad, then what? How do you get them from there to standing with their two feet inside your gym or your office or whatever? And it's totally ignored. I'm like, if you don't do that, you can't say that you understand marketing because if all I needed to do was get somebody to see my ad and click on it, and then miraculously they paid me money, business would be in so easy. Like your, your gym would have 17,000 members, you know, like that's just not how it works. You got to work them up and, you know, 10 of them click out of that 10, only three of them respond out of those three, only one actually shows up. Like, it's just like, nobody ever talks about that drives me nuts. Anyway. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that Tim talks about as well. And he talks about it in the book is, is leads and um, the quality of leads, because you see these, you know, I call them internet gurus, people who've taken a weekend click funnels course, course, and I can get you a hundred leads in two days. Okay. But do you have a system to close them? Do you have a system to follow up with them? What type of leads? Because if you run an ad for a free offer, you're going to get a buttload of leads, but your conversion rate's going to be really low because you're going to get a lot of tire kickers. So those are what we call low quality leads versus if you run an ad for like a, some kind of six week program, that's 400 bucks. You may only get, you know, 50 leads, but your conversion rate is going to be a lot higher because those are more qualified leads because they've already raised their hand to say, okay, I'm willing to consider spending 400 bucks for this program, right? So that was another part of the education that Tim helped me with that he talks about in the book is it's not just leads, it's it's what type of leads, what kind of offer are you running? What kind of play are you running? And that determines number one, how many leads you get and what quality those leads are. And then once you get those leads, like you, to your point, you have to be able to convert them. You have to get them in front of you because leads to me, I call it, it's like, it's like dating. Nobody, cause you, you have all like you were talking about, um, you know, the software that's automated. So you have this software, it, it can send out, you know, drip campaigns on text, on email, all of these things, all these automations, but nobody ever agrees to go out on a date from an email or a text. It requires a phone call. You have to talk to them. And so that's where Eric Russell, who's also part of the, Eric Charles Russell, who's also in the, in the book, talked about um, the membership sales course. It's also in, in Fit University. It's the first course in the Fit University in there. But he talks about having a system to convert those leads that's specific to the fitness industry because the fitness industry has unique issues that you have to address if you're going to increase your closing rate because most sales programs are just blanket business sales programs. But the, the fitness industry is different because there's a lot of psychological things going on too. It's like, like when people go to buy a car, they're not thinking, you know, about the car. Oh, well, you know, I haven't worked out in a year and I'm really out of shape. What should I wear to go shop for the car? You know, is he going to- Well, I get hurt gonna... driving this car. 
it, you know, it hurts is drive- it safe if I'm going to, you know, is it safe yeah, for me to drive this car? Like, Exactly. Are there going to be other people like me driving this car or am I going to feel, you know, uh, self-conscious driving this car? Those are only issues that are unique to the fitness industry. So Eric Charles has a system and he's been doing it for a long time with a lot of success. And so he's the one that really helped me take that those leads and plug them into the sales system so they can become members. And that is where the rubber hits the road. That's when you see your monthly recurring revenue start to climb is when you start adding members, not getting leads, you know? And so, um, and, and that's in the book and he covers that in detail. And it's a, uh, it's a course in the fit university that has 80, uh, videos to it. So it's really, really in depth. It's not, it's something that you can't learn in a weekend course because it's too, uh, dense and also you can't learn in a free webinar because it's too valuable. Yeah. So that's why I wanted it in fitness university. And that's why he's um, one of the uh, chapters in the book under um, um, uh, category specialist. You know, we have uh, another section in there because the book's not meant to be read from uh, start to finish. It's in sections, depending on where you are on your fitness business journey. So we have category experts. We have one on mindset and Eric is in there under membership sales because that's what he specializes in, like overcoming objections before they even come up. Um, Is it in your budget? Can you get here? Um, Does it work with your schedule? All of those things are unique objections that you have to overcome that are unique to the fitness industry that he's geeked out on and develop a proving system for. Nice. So you were, uh, well, let me do this. I want to move on next to, so you said it, it, you know, it worked. He doubled your, your monthly revenue. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to guess the next step you had to get into was hiring some people, training some people, training some internal employees, not training uh, your Mm -hmm. members. I want to talk about that real quick, but I also want to do a quick live read for the software, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll give you some time to prep for your, your uh, next kind of phase here. But uh, if you are looking for a software that can integrate with your sales process and provide text messages, which people actually see and respond to, uh, it can provide automations, it can connect with people, then I'd love you to check out Clinic Gym Connect at clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is a software that we believe communicates with people the way they want to communicate these days, which is through text messaging and phone calls. Sure, we also can email people and it has uh, has the ability to email, but the battle of email is so few people open them and read them and even less reply. So if you're looking for a front-end sales situation, think about this. When's the last time that you got an email about something for sale, you clicked on it, you took action, and that that drove you to that sale. What's more likely is text messaging, phone call, getting active about something. Maybe you buy from the Amazon app, but you're not doing it through email typically. So use what already works. Use what your clients are already using, which is text messaging and phone calls. And you can use that at clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com. If you have any questions about it, hit me up. I'm happy to answer, but I think this is going to revolutionize businesses. So now we're back yeah. with Jim Adams. So Jim. Yeah, and, and, and I want to jump in on that, Josh, yeah. real quick to, to say that we use a similar software at my uh, training studio, Catalyst, mm-hmm. uh, that we started using just this year. And it's big because the thing, like you said, with text messages, 
not only do people are people more responsive to them, but it's a little bit more personal because you usually get text messages from people you know and you, right. uh, and you know yeah. well. So it's a little bit more personal. So we get that. And then the interesting thing that we found out with the text messages is when they put in their lead uh, information for, you know, uh, saying, hey, I'm interested in your services, then if they put in a bad number, a bad phone number, and the text doesn't go through, that tells me right away, they're not really interested, and it's a bad lead, and I can move on. So, you know, I can't say enough for those uh, automatic uh, text message replies. It has increased our, the number of leads, our booking rate, and and our sales rate, because it's increased How soon until after that lead jumps in, do you respond? Cause this was, this oh, was a, a same day buddy. within yeah. hours. Mm-hmm. So just FYI, I had a buddy who was tracking that stuff for a big launch he was doing mm-hmm. after five minutes, five minutes after five minutes, the close rate falls 50%. No so if you kidding. can respond within the first five minutes, which is an insane thought, just see what it does for you. Because what he says is, you know, as you're scrolling through Facebook and you see something that's interesting or you're scrolling Instagram, you see something that's interesting. As soon as you go, yeah, you know what? I am interested in barbecue tools, right? Mm -hmm. If we look at you then and then track you five minutes later, you might be on something totally different, you know, dog training or monster truck races or, you know, whatever, which Uh that's how social media is. It's a lot of different information. He's like, you got to respond to people as soon as possible. And I was like, yeah. And I would say that, so I've done that on webinars and whatnot. People sign up for a webinar or something and I'll try and reach out within five minutes. I had one webinar, 100% of the people I reached out within five minutes came to the webinar, showed up, which is, that's not a in the Clinton, that's not an in the gym kind of sale, you know, I'm not asking uh-huh. for money, but they did show up to webinars. And, you know, if you can get half the people actually show up to a webinar, you're doing well. So yeah, absolutely. Like, huh, that's, that's good to know. That's good information. Yeah. yeah. It's t- it's tough to pull off. It's one of those things, but it, it does work. So, anyways, yeah. uh, all right. So going back, so there you are. You're you're you know you sign up for this insane three thousand dollars a month advertising. You're probably uh, shitting bricks with all the money going out the door. It works though, and it's successful. It does. It and does. It doubles the amount of revenue you had. How did you handle that growth from a? Because it can't just be, hey, Jim, get on the bike and pedal faster, right? That that mm-hmm. just you can't keep up that way. You got to get some people. You got to train them up to deliver a great product. How did that go? And and kind of who helped you figure that part out? Well, there are several people in the book that really helped me with that. The biggest one was Rick Mayo, and what he talks about. All right, about, Jim, and- we get it. You love Rick Mayo, <laughs> my God. I, yeah. I do, but the thing is, you know, it's like you know, one of the questions I always ask my guests on the show is what's your most successful failure. And for Rick, it was this, is that he had that studio it was the most profitable personal training studio in America. And all of his trainers then left him and he lost his business because they took the clients with him. And then he's like, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be in this position again. So he hired somebody to follow him around and write down all of his processes And that became his system book, his systems manual. So when he hires a new trainer, he comes in and goes, here is the checklist for that. I want you to go through. This is how I want you to train our clients, go through this checklist. And then he role plays it and drills and drills and drills it. So when people tell me they don't have systems, bullshit, you do. Cause every time you train a client, 
Every time you call a client, call a lead, every time you sit down in front of prospective clients, there's a mental checklist that you go through in your head. You know, and all you have to do is write it down. And that's what Rick did. And then he turned that into uh, a training system that he licensed and now clubs that he franchises. And, and the other person that helped me with that, that's in the book uh, to get off <laughs> Rick Mayo's jock is Jerry Washak. And Jerry and his brother, Casey, they own four clubs out in, uh, San, not San Diego, but um, Palm Springs, Palm Desert. And they opened one and then wrote down all the systems. And once they figured out all those systems work, then they were able to just plug and play and open up three clubs fairly quickly after that. And then, uh, so that's it from a system standpoint, because that's what I see like, and I, I made this mistake too, is that, okay, I, I have so many clients, I'm going to have to hire another trainer. So I hire another trainer and I'm like, okay, to train my clients. And then I see them and I'm like, oh, I don't want you to train my clients like that. So my first instinct is to jump in and go, oh, well, I'm going to train them. But then my business doesn't grow. So then what I have to do is give them what they need to be successful. And that's a playbook. So I have to give them a playbook. It's like, and then remind them. It's like, no, you don't do this. You do that. No, you don't do this then. You do this at this point in the training session. So right. I give them a playbook. To yeah, go, I think to playbook go is a great way to say it because, you know, I mean, I'm a football fan. I think you're a football fan. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're running a, uh, you know, you might be the great, the number one draft pick coming out of Alabama and you're used to a quarterback that can throw his brains out, right? And you're mm -hmm. like, hey, uh, you know, I'm used to an offense where the quarterback throws all the time. You come out of someplace like, uh, you know, some, I'm trying to think of some uh, university that's not known for throwing great, you know, and they're known for running the ball. And I plug you, you, number one draft pick player, I plug you into the wrong offense or you don't understand the offense, you're not going to be anything. I'll, I'll, perfect example, football example, <clears throat> Randy Moss. At the sunset of his career, he was playing for the Raiders. And it looked like that guy was just slipping down and getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, you have a very talented athlete, an amazing guy with, at that point in his life, he understood the game. He knew how to win, but he wasn't winning. He wasn't doing anything great gets picked up by uh, New England for two years. And whatever you think of the Patriots, you've got to at least admit that in that system, an older athlete did amazing things. Randy Moss was at the tail end of his career and at New England did absolutely incredible. It's not like that guy didn't understand football before he went to the Pats. Like he understood it, but because the playbook was right and he understood it and he was being coached up very well about this is what you do. And we do it this time for this reason at, you know, this moment, those systems help that guy become wildly successful. And I think you bring up that point. Like if you're looking across going, oh, I can't believe that, you know, uh, Tim, the trainer is doing that move with Mr. Adams again. Dang it. I told him like th what you're saying is that dude's finding a solution, but he's not being, he's not got good leadership, you know, like, you're not leading him. You need to step up. You need to lead him. And if it bothers you so much, use that passion to write out what we do with this client when. Use that anger that you're like, Tim, why, I told you not to train, you know, Mr. Adams had a hip replacement, so don't do X, Y, and Z. Cool. Write that in a book. Write that down on a piece of paper. Make a manual out of it. But don't just sit there and say, Tim's a bad trainer. Tim's a great trainer with bad leadership. Absolutely. And you brought, you bring up two great points. One is the, the playbook and the systems, like we talked about, develop a, a system and a playbook, 
give it to your trainers and train them to it. Don't just expect them to know, but train them through it. Walk them through it again and again and again and again every single day. And then they will finally get it. So that's number one. And number two is that you do have to become a better leader, you know, because for me, when I started hiring people, I was an asshole, you know, I was like, this is my business and you're going to do it the way I say. And if you don't want to do it that way, then you can just get the F out. You know, what I found is that everybody chose option B. They just got the F out. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was just me. So I had to become a better leader. And then, so I hired a client, a current client of mine, uh, her name is Lisa Kuntz. It's now it's Lisa Kuntz Adewusi. Uh, but, and she's in the book. And she's the one that really helped me become a better leader so that I could create uh, a better culture among my team. So I, it reduced my staff turnover. It, re- it improved the morale of the team. It gave them more confidence and it allowed them to buy into the concept and then take ownership of it themselves. So when, when they would train a client, they're, they're like, they would say, that's not the way we do it instead of, well, they don't really want me to do it that way, you know, and that's an indication of culture. And that comes from leadership. And Lisa, I can't say enough good things about her as a person and the way that she helped not only me, but my team. And I still use those lessons today with my team to help them buy in because it's kind of like the systems. If you give them the systems and then they see that it works, they start to develop confidence in the system, in you and in themselves. And then that bleeds over into their customer services, their service delivery. And it's the same thing as a leader. You have to empower them and give them confidence in your leadership ability and their ability as a team member. And then that confidence grows and it it creates that culture where you don't have that staff turnover and, and morale is much, much higher. So those are two very important points. I love that. I think it's like, uh, you know, you think about Disney early on and Walt Disney was just a bundle of energy. I mean, everybody wanted to follow him. I'm sure the guy was an amazing animator. He just produced the magic that became Disney. But at some point he couldn't be the guy running the rides. He couldn't be the guy painting the, the, the castle. He couldn't be the guy uh, producing the movies. He had to lead the team to do that. But one of the things he had to do, like you said, culture is he had to maintain that magic. He had to make sure that every person he trained had that magic. And then they train people and produce that magic. And pretty soon there's people that he's been dead for however many years. And pe- the, there's still people at Disney producing that magic inside, which is that culture. Mm-hmm. And you think about how much money that thing has made since he trained his first kind of one degree of separation employees. And now what mm-hmm. it's become uh, we can do the same thing. I think some people just don't think that we can, and, and it does take some confidence to leap over those those hills sometimes. Yeah, well, Jim, we're, I, I, we're I, getting, saw, I, saw, I saw a quote from uh, Steve Jobs, and they asked him, "What's the thing? What's your the thing you invented that you're most proud of?" And he said, "I built a great team that is still cranking out projects." But um, yeah. to your point, yeah. but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say we're getting tight on time here. 
But I do want to know this. So you started leading. Lisa really helped you kind of lead. And you said she's in the book as well. Mm-hmm. But leading a team directly on the floor, but still showing up every day is a lot different than your boy, Rick Mayo, taking off a month. And I know one time he took a month off to go to New Zealand to go motorcycle riding. I mean, it wasn't just like, I'm taking a month off. It's I'm out of the, I'm, a, I'm on the other side of the earth. All right. So right. don't bug me. Right. That's another jump, right? Going from, Hey, I'm the, that I'm on the battlefield leading the troops to I'm the general back at the Pentagon. Right. Mm-hmm. So real quick, as we wrap this up, can you share one or two lessons you learned or the person you learned them from about true business ownership, about pulling yourself out of the operations and getting to that ownership status? Yeah. Um, it's what I call, um, and I heard a podcast with Jocko Willick, who's not in the book, unfortunately, but a great guy. And he talks about- I just head to when, San Diego, you know, give him the what for, bury your finger in his chest and tell him how it's going to yeah. be. You know? Hey, I would love to roll with that guy. He would destroy me, but I would still love it. I think it if every you threw a rock at that dude, the rock would just explode into pieces. You know? like, <laughs> rock well, it, it would be like Matrix-like. It would just stop two feet from his face because it was so intimidated and just fall. Yeah. He would just stare at it real intense and it like <laughs> bust apart. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. But um, what he said is that if any military action, the, the guy leading that military campaign or operation is always on high ground. And the reason they're on high ground is because then they can see everything that's going on and how everything is interacting and what is the best next logical step to make and is their plan of attack working or do they need to modify it but if you're on the front lines you can't see that so if you're on the floor training people you can't see what you need to do to really grow your business until you pull back and so you almost have to kind of take yourself out of the business and and that's hard it's 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 and the reason it's hard for me is that I didn't want to let go my business was my baby, right? But it's like being a parent, right? When my kid is, you know, two, three, four, five years old, I got to be there every minute, make sure they're not like running in front of a car or, you know, putting a marble in their mouth, they're going to choke on all that stuff. But as they start to grow, then I can give them a little bit of independence. And it's the same thing with your team. Once you develop these systems, right? And your leadership skills, then you can continuously train your team up to it, get them to take ownership of it, and then create KPIs, key performance indicators for them that you hold them accountable to. And that kind of gets, kind of keeps the foot on the gas, so to speak. And then once they get comfortable with that, and this is where I am, then you can start to pull away. And, and a lot of times I will purposely not go into the club just to see. I want to see like how they have, I want to give them a chance to make some mistakes and help them out and give them some, uh, give them some advice, you know, or some direction and then gradually keep doing that until they know they have the confidence, they have enough ownership. I have some uh, some KPIs that I can track and say, hey, you're slipping here. We need to pick it up here. Are you doing great here? Let's keep that up, whatever you're doing. Um, so, and then that happens over time. Like Rick has had his club since the 90s, right? 
So it's it's pretty autonomous. And uh, if you talk to Colin McGarity, uh, who owns Seacoast uh, Kettlebell out in New Hampshire, great guy, runs a great business, 12,000 square feet. That guy does so much business. He's so good with um, with marketing and uh, bringing in cold clients and ha- having, having everything integrated. Um, I mean, I interviewed him on the podcast and he's in the book too. I asked him, how do you do that? He goes, well, at this point, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored because everything runs like clockwork, right? So now he can kind of, where do I want to go next? What do I want to do next? Where, I do, where do I want my business to go? Then he can start to create you know, and guide the business instead of just react and think about survival. So he can actually start to thrive and grow his business. And he's in the book too. He's a, he's an awesome man. He's, he's done so much and he's helped so many people and he's so humble. Um, I'm a big fan of Colin um, and he's in the book. So I would say those two people in the book helped me the most with that Rick and, and Colin McGarity. Sorry, I forgot I was muted there. Uh, so, uh, and they help you kind of step back. So you're not quite uh, fully removed from the battlefield yet. Still- no, not not quite. I mean, I was getting there and then COVID yeah. hit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's so, interesting is, you know, we're interviewing you now. It's, it's what the, it's early May in 2021. Mm-hmm. And, you know, assume that we do this again, May 1st of 2023. So two years from now. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting that in business, you know, we go through seasons. There's seasons mm-hmm. for growth. There's seasons for stabilization. Like, hey, let's double check our processes. We don't need any more, you know, new clients. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I think it's important to kind of go through those seasons and make sure everything we understand the different roles of that time. Mm-hmm. And COVID was a big reset. Like, hey, you thought you, <laughs> you thought you're on track. <laughs> You know, exactly. Yeah. Because it's funny you say that because I talked to Justin Grinnell, who's also in the book and also a great guy. He uh, lectures on the um, national fitness business uh, um, circuit talking about small group training. And he owns um, a training facility in Lansing, Michigan, uh, State of Fitness. And they have 11,000 square feet. And he said where they are right now because of COVID, he's number one, he's had to step back into the business. Like you said, seasons where he's spending 30, 40 hours on the floor training people just to bring in revenue and not having to pay another trainer. So cutting, reducing his payroll costs. And that's just the thing of COVID. But he also said that like his space is too big, you know, for the, the model that he wants to do now post COVID. You know, so he has to change that. So to your point, um, and he has a lot of great uh, information and contributions in the book uh, as well. But to your point, there's seasons. And so you have to be able to adapt. Yeah, it's just how it goes. So, Mm -hmm. well, Jim, this has been awesome. Uh, Really enjoy all this information. And like we said at the very beginning, this is all talked about in your book at at length with these different experts. So can you give out the... the, um, Title of the book one more time and where people can find it. Sure. It's, it's called Masters in Fitness Business and Standing Stand on the Shoulders of Giants. Go to Amazon, amazon.com. It's right there. There you go. All right. Well, Jim, we really appreciate the time today and uh, best of luck with the book launch and getting, uh, getting some eyeballs in it. You also, a little teaser for our next interview, I guess, we'll have to talk about Fit University, which is where yes. you're doing uh, video lessons of all these different aspects, but much more in depth than you could go into in a few pages in the book, right? 
Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. And then a, a nice thing about the book too, is that I put uh, QR codes at the end of each chapter. So if you want to check out the actual podcast episode, you just scan the code and it'll take you right yeah. to the episode. Man, I'll tell you what, back in January 1st of 2020, I think those QR codes, people were, you know, certain people are going, these are the best things ever. And everybody's like, yeah, 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 pipe down, pipe down, pipe down. And then COVID hit and it's like, so the menu is a QR code. So this is a QR yeah, and QR codes, right. are, they're finally at their day. If I would have invested in QR codes and plexiglass, <laughs> January, 2020, I think I could retire right now. Absolutely. And like infrared thermometers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, Jim, it's been a pleasure again, and we'll definitely have to do this uh, in the future to hear what develops next, but congratulations on all the success. And on behalf of Jim Adams, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate the support. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure as always. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I want to let you know that this episode was brought to you by ClinicGymConnect.com, ClinicGymConnect.com. Now, if you want to grow your practice, add a gym, provide great customer service, whatever you want to do in your clinic or in your gym, Clinic Gym Connect can help you do it faster, easier, more efficiently, and make your patients and clients fall in love with you. So just check it out at ClinicGymConnect.com.